You're listening to the Next Generation Gym Owners People and Profits Podcast, where we focus on taking your passion and turning it into your profits. Join us for interviews with business experts, industry influencers, and more. Let's get to it. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Next Generation People and Profits podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cotton, and today we are continuing with our series with Carmine Solano. We're listening to episode two. If you did not listen to episode one, head on back to last week's episode. We discussed a lot of great information in regard to how Carmine started his business, cheersounds.com, how he got started, how he's worked with his staff. And today we're picking up right where we left off, talking about staff, talking about delivery for our clients. We got some really great stuff. I hope you enjoy it. Absolutely. And it might give you the opportunity for that person to discover if if you're the right place for them or they're the right client for you. Just like if you had someone come in and they, you know, they got a pre-made mix and then they said, well, there's no custom voiceovers and there's no this and there's no that. And you're like, well, that's not this product. Like maybe this is a better route for you. And you can explain those things to people. So I think that's just such a valuable valuable trait in an employee and especially in the employee because I, I I'm going to transition to this you aren't in your business every day unless I'm mistaken I mean you're sitting on a boat it's on it's a Friday late afternoon and I think you've worked hard to have have freedom in your life yeah that that's that's relatively new um I like being at work. Okay. And when I'm at Cheer Sounds, it's not just Cheer Sounds work. I just use that office for whatever it is that I'm working on for the day, for the week, or the month, or the year. Um, but I like being around people. I like the camaraderie. Edward and I work closely together. I like hearing all of the music in the background and knowing what people are doing. Um, I had a health issue in 2019. Uh, I had a brain tumor. It involved a craniotomy, 11-hour surgery. They woke me up in the middle to play piano to make sure I still could operate my hands properly. Um, the surgery was a success. It did leave me with a lot of deficits on the right side of my body, which I've recovered from um, more than I anticipated I would. But I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about that. I just kind of wanted to keep moving. During recovery is when I started transitioning out of the office, particularly because I didn't know what was coming next. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be nice. It makes sense to say I figured this out before I went into surgery, but I really didn't. <laughs> I figured it out after I came out of surgery and had plenty of time to sit on my button and, uh, you know, figure out what to do next. That's where pre-made plus was born from. Uh, pre-made plus is a pre-made mixture. The person can then customize their own, um, they can swap songs that they don't like in a pre-made and then hear it live. Oh, and, wow. and that came out of sitting out of my desk and practicing my handwriting because my whole right hand was numb and weird. And um, I started just writing about our business in its current position. How is it positioned in the market? What does it offer? What is it good at? What is it terrible at? You know, almost just a basic swap analysis of my own business um, now that I hadn't been there for a couple of months. And uh, in it, I sort of just rode out and stared at the wall and said, really? I never noticed this before? Our best-selling product is pre-made mixes, except the coolest technology is, is the build your own stuff. Why have I never integrated the two together? Hmm. Why do we not take the best-selling product and let people swap the songs they don't like in real time and hear it before they buy it? 
and that just like reinvigorated me right back on my feet, figuratively right. speaking. Um, and uh, that was a great. And it's interesting to me that it took it took a giant hiatus to make me see it mm-hmm. when it was sitting in front of me for years, years. I didn't see it until I walked away and just started journaling about my own business. And journaling is not really something I do. But I was doing it just to practice my handwriting. And uh, uh, so that, that did reinforce the value of, like, go take a vacation. Yep. You'll think of some. <laughs> yep. I, I always joke, I'm um, as, as a business owner, I'm horrible at vacationing because I go on vacations. And then what I do is I... Uh, the first day I generally chill. And then after that I have my notebook and I'm at the pool and instead of playing, I'm like writing down ideas and, Oh, we could change this and Oh, we need to do that. So I, I love it. I, it's so valid of like, get away, get out of, it's hard to see the 30,000 foot view when you're in the trenches. Yeah. Because all you're looking at is a voiceover that needs to be replaced. And you know, you'll have thoughts like, Man, the phones are ringing a lot, and we need maybe if we add in live chat. You know, I know Jess and Renata can do live chat while they're on the phone. And like you have kind of dumb thoughts that aren't really scalable. They're just band aids. Uh, it's not to say they're all bad, but it's a lot of band aid thoughts when you're kind of in the trench. Uh, and then when you get out of it, you, I think the clarity brings much better, better solutions, better planning, better process improvements. Um, that was that was big but but during that time i really did feel like now i need to get myself out of this business not because i want to be out of it but because i think i have to be able to step away from it because i don't know what's you know what's happening next that's just that's good people and processes uh lots of expectations so we uh this is actually good for this channel um the okr process which came out of intel it's uh, objectives and key results uh, mm-hmm. It's essentially that your upper management sets high-level objectives, such as um, we want to continue to develop our intellectual property. We want to continue to develop a reliance on our audio assets. We want to, and we have four of them, and I won't go through all of them, but those are two of them. Uh, and then you reach out to all of your next-level down staff, and you say to them, these are our objectives. I'd like you to come up with five key results or things, measurable, empirical things that you can do that take steps towards reaching this objective. And I would like you to task everybody the next level down. Here's the same objective sets. And what are you all doing to meet it? Or their objectives can be to meet your key results. So your key results become your um, your team's uh, objectives. And then they come up with the five things that they are doing to support your key results. This wow. was developed in 1979 in Intel when the company was not doing very well and they were competing with Motorola, I believe, um, for microprocessor development. All the new technologies in the budding world of integrated circuits and computing. Uh, And Intel pretty much had to realign their entire company in less than 90 days to create, develop, and launch a brand new competing processor so they can go against Motorola. Uh, They did it. And uh, and they successfully did many times over from there on, mm-hmm. and lots of Fortune 500 still use some flavor of the OKR process. I too used that process. 
Um, we don't brand the shit and put up big banners that say OKR rocks and stuff like that. But we do follow the principles. Mm-hmm. I write four objectives on the whiteboard. There are whiteboards in each office. And the top left corner of everybody's whiteboard has my four objectives. And then each person in that office can write down what their key results are to meet my objectives. If there's anybody below them in the hierarchy, which I do believe in hierarchy, because mm-hmm. the whole world is a hierarchy, um, then that person's key results become their subordinate objectives. And they do the same process. And from there, the entire company is aligned on exactly what they are doing, which is completely measurable, mm-hmm. to align with what our overarching goal is. That's, in a nutshell, the OKR process. Uh, if you're interested in more, there's a book called Measure What Matters. Highly recommended. Yeah, great book. Um, yeah. And if, if you knew all of that, I apologize. No, no, no. I, and and I've... Um... <laughs> I've heard excerpts from Measure What Matters, but I haven't read the entire book. Uh, it's on my list of many, many books that I like to read. Um, but I'm sure listeners have not mm-hmm. heard that. Um, so really awesome stuff. Yeah, the process applies. It, it was made for a large corporation, but it works perfectly fine in 10 or more employees. In less than that, it might feel really redundant, but more than 10 employees, it, 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 it really works. It really does. Even in a smaller facility, you know, establishing your five key objectives, right? Those five objectives that you have um, is important. And one of the things, I'm a military guy, so a big thing for me was always, what's my commander's intent? Like, what what does my commander need me to accomplish? Because that's going to then tell me how to develop my plan and then send it down to my subordinates. So. I, I love that. And I think it's oftentimes missed in the cheer industry, like in gyms, especially because coaches just get kind of sent out and it's like coach your team and win that that's, but is that really the objective, you know, or, or the coach sets all the objectives instead of as a gym owner, what do I want? I want happy clients. I want retention. I want them to be bragging about being a part of this gym to all of their friends because that's what's going to yeah. get more people in my facility and increase revenue and increase subscriptions. So those are some of the things that we look at. And if you don't ever clearly define what your objectives are as the boss, as the owner, then you leave it to your staff to just figure it out for themselves. And that's never going to have the result right. that you're looking for. Right. And so it does beg the question of, if I'm not there, is everything going perfect? Uh, and no, what I've been measuring recently is how, what are the differences in the office due to my absence? Because I do want to be cognizant of the impact that it has had. Um, and then how do I work with that to improve it? I knew that leaving wasn't going to just, everything's going to just keep moving on exactly the same. Um, so I, I do go in, and when I go in, I mostly chat with everybody to try to understand. Like, what they want, in, in their words, is we like the state of the union. We like to know what it looks like from your perspective. Mm-hmm. They like knowing if they've done well uh, or if there's something to work on. And not getting that feedback seems to be the primary um, complaint. I mean, I would call it a complaint. And so I'm 
I am still na navigating that. Um, I don't want to have to be there all the time, but I don't want them to feel like something is missing from the group. It may be because they've had years of always having me there, and so that's different. Right, that's going to be a transition. Yeah. I, it, it makes me sad, you know? It makes me sad because I don't want that to be, but I understand exactly why that is. And I can certainly go, guys, look at this great new process I came with, came up with. It's, it's right. not the same, you know? If the, if the new process isn't your there, it uh, might not be a warm and fuzzy feeling. And I have to, I have to navigate that with, with great caution to not spoil what's currently there. And it can't be just shower them with gifts when you're there. Buy pizza, you know? It's not, that's not the answer. Uh, I'm shooting in the dark here of things that are going through my mind, but like bringing these guys to Worlds and going out for a daily outing, inviting in the remote employees to all come to Florida and just encourage everybody to like mingle, go to dinner, go to the beach, hang out, have fun. Do mm -hmm. like those... And that doesn't, it's not a solve-all. It's, it's not. Again, it's sort of like a, here's a treat. And I don't want it to be, here's a treat, because I wasn't there. That's wrong, in my opinion. Um, it's a transition. It's my duty to give them the comfort to know that there's stability in the business. How is the mm -hmm. business performing? Are we headed in the right direction? And what room for growth is there for each one of them? Yep. Some of these guys want to become great music producers, so I let them work with the ones who are great music producers. And I don't mean cheer music, I mean outside of them. Right, right. Some of them just love that this is a 40-hour-a-week job with benefits, and they're fine, you know, being alone, kind of. And I'm like, okay, good. Yeah, yeah that, doing great. I feel like that's one of the challenges of, of just having employees in general, but definitely it's just magnified when you're in that position where you're kind of transitioning from being in the business every single day is finding out what each employee values and then trying to provide mm -hmm. that for them. Cause every employee is motivated differently. Some are motivated by money. Some are motivated by accolades. Some are motivated by promotional opportunities. I mean, it's, it runs the gamut and that can we be a major yeah, challenge. We nailed it. We used a system called 15.5 just for a year. Um, everybody said it was really annoying and they didn't want to do it anymore, so I, so I got rid of it. But how are you feeling this week? What are your goals that you want to do? You know, what's your future plans? And it prompts you with questions, but essentially it, 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 um, it sort of scrapes and extrapolates in, in from, from your employee to you to say, this is what Brian wants. This is what Jeff wants. This is what, and um, I mean, it reaffirmed what I already thought because it's not an enormous company. You know, there's 17 of us. But, um, and you kind of know everybody already. But it, it's sort of be careful what you wish for because some people are looking for things you don't have. Right. If they're looking like the artists, um, we want our songs on iTunes. I'm, like, I'm sorry, that is not the business I am in. You know, we want to do an album. That is not the business I'm in. We want to perform live. <sighs> that could be the business we're in, but it's not the business we're in. And, and every time I scribble that down on paper, it is barely a break-even business. Yep. You know, like, let's say we go to the events. I like, go to WSA. We're going to bring our best artists and put on an awesome show. Well, the show better be good enough for people to actually show up. Mm -hmm. And 
boy, this is going to cost us an arm and a leg, you know? And, and like, great, you performed to a bunch of cheerleaders. Is that what you really wanted? And the answer is no, it's not what they really want. Right. So it, the answers for that weren't there. I, I couldn't give a fuzzy answer of I'm a great pick to publish an album with you. It was right. sort of wet your chops here, get your practice reps in, learn the whole process of recording. You can watch our side for publishing if you want. Um, but then from there, if that's what you want to pursue at some point, you know, hey, I know our buddy Danny, who he produces outside of work and he's great. I recommend you go work with him after work. Mm -hmm. And you guys go publish something together. I'm not going to stick my hands in it just for the sake of some sort of narcissistic control over what they create outside of work. Um, at work, we make these songs that fit what I'm looking for for our business. But if your hopes are for us to all publish an album together, um, I won't bring much to the table that would benefit you. And I recommend pursuing that elsewhere. Yeah. Um, that happens. And it's, and, it's, and it's worthwhile, of course, to say that. String the person along and mislead them. But you, you hit the nail on the head just a moment ago. Some people want accolades. Some want recognition, same idea. Some just want the pay or steady pay. They love that part. Mm -hmm. um, some want an easy job. Some love to be challenged. Yep. Yeah, that's one of the challenging ones, right? You have those employees who are like, I just want to know exactly what's going to happen each day. And then you have the ones who are like, I want to be creative. I want to be challenged. I want it to be new and exciting. And yeah. it's, sometimes you can't be everything to everyone. And sometimes there are employees that fit your model and some that don't. And uh, I think that that's something yeah. gym owners need to get and business owners in general need to be more comfortable with. You know, when you're a small business, it can feel like really hard to find good staff. And that's yeah. one of the biggest things we hear from clients that we coach is I can't find good staff members. Um, you know, I'm willing to pay them well, but I can't find good staff members. Maybe they're knowledgeable, but then they're bad employees. Um, and those two things, like you mentioned before, you can be a great music producer, but you're a horrible employee. Um, those, those don't always, uh, aren't mutually exclusive. So it's just, it is one of those fun challenges of being a business owner and you've always got to find a way to strike that balance. You know, I saw you, uh, you, you, you commented on that ASGA post yesterday briefly. <laughs> uh, that was an interesting yeah. one. I, I had to restrain myself, uh, from the comments on me, me too. getting paid <laughs> astronomical sums, you know, um, and it's hard. I mean, that would, you know, none of your employees put in the, the two years in development of the software. And aside from, um, your one, your one guy who was like your partner, you know, none of your employees now put in all that effort or paid for the patents or took the risk that it might not work. Um, cause when you start that process, you don't know, you think you have a good idea. So yeah, of course it's all a gamble. We we have two employees who have been here for over 10 years. Wow. And I have been posed the question of, can I have ownership in the company because I've been here for the majority of the time. Uh, and that's, you just sort of, listen, everybody can handle this the way they want to handle this. But for me, that's like, no, that's a hard no. It's just not the role that we signed up 
like you didn't sign up for the role to invest yourself into owning the company. Mm -hmm. I never offered that. Mm -hmm. Did you do great work? Yeah. Did I pay you along the way? Yeah. Some of your products are spectacular. I also paid for a lot of years where you made a lot of junk and I, you know, we all learn. Mm -hmm. And and you were a good investment. No, it's not to downplay that person at all. Right. No, not at all. Good investment. Great employee. Yeah. Went, went through all the ups and downs and from remote work to working in the office and all the family drama and watching this person go through the ringer of, of I live with my mom to I have my own place to now I have my own house to now mm -hmm. I have kids to now like it's really neat to watch that. Yep. And there is gratitude. There is gratitude for, for having the stability in the music field to be able to do that. Um, but at the same time, there does come a lot of these questions of why didn't my pay cap out? It's like because there is only so much that you can bring. Mm -hmm. And you are great. And you bring it. But what are we supposed to do? And we've had interesting conversations after work where I do break out a pen and paper and show a 3% raise for everybody in the company equates to 60000 a year difference in um, five years' time. What are you all doing to bring an extra 60000 in business? That's been fine. After yep. you've kind of maxed out your position. Um, what about COVID when I kept you on for four extra months? That's $410,000. Do I get that back? Right. I could have just let everybody go. And it's not an ultimatum. It's not a threat. It's not a be grateful for what I did. It's just I eat it sometimes while mm -hmm. we all learn. You see steady. I yep. take the volatility. Yep. At the end of the day, if I play my cards right, the volatility ends up in my favor. But that wasn't guaranteed. The tax man didn't give me a break when I had a bad year. Fortunately, we haven't had bad years. But, but, but if you had that, if you had that idea that didn't work out, you invested time and money and all that, and then you didn't, you didn't launch it, or it didn't work, or if you did that Facebook ad that, happens that, a lot. that flopped, right? You got no return on investment yeah. from an ad. You eat that. You don't go to your employees and say, "Hey." I'm taking 10% back because I ran a bad ad. That's not on them. Exactly. Right? They get the right. We the create stability for the employees while we endure the volatility. And if we play our cards right, it works out for the owner, but it also works out for everybody else because they get stability again to continue doing this. I have encouraged two people in our place to start a business and they even go start a business. Um, one did full-fledged. She went into sync, sync licensing. She's very good, very good. Nice. And and her salary was getting up there for this field. Uh, it's good, good salary. And if she wanted to stay, you know, I'd love to have her. Um, I knew she wanted more, and I knew she was capable of more. What am I going to do? I can't be patriotic and say, continue working for me and ditch your dreams. That's not... Right. I can't say that. It's going to be the opposite. You're really good. If you could do one one more thing for me, please line me up with a replacement. And she did. Great people. Yep. Two people to tell her she was actually. But um, she was great. Now she's in the sync licensing world doing great. Uh, she should pursue that if she wants more. And the other guy wanted more, but he loves music. He didn't want to lose the job or the stability of the job. And uh, they said, we'll do some work after work. So he power washes. 
great. That's pocket money. And if you keep doing it right, it'll be more than pocket money. And when your time comes and you're done with making cheer music, go. You're like, I'm not going to put you here. Right. I want you to stay. But if you, the minute you don't want to be here, we got to start coming up with a new plan because that breaks my model, mm-hmm. which is you really got to want to be here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, that's, that's independent. But go ahead. No, no, I, I just, I love it. I, that's such an important factor. And I've, you know, I've been in that position where, uh, I've made the mistake and I've kept the employee on who's miserable. Cause I'm like, Oh, I just can't live without him. And then actually I could. And basically what ended up happening is you get to the point where they're miserable and you're so miserable that you finally go, it's done. And you leave in bad terms instead of being like, Hey, you're, yeah. you're unhappy. Why don't you go find what's going to make you happy? Like, let me help you. Let me, let me line you up with other opportunities, you know, and, and I'm going to find someone to replace you and we're, we're all going to be good. And I, I mean, granted, some of those people weren't what we talked about earlier. They weren't the character hires. They were, well, you're talented hires. Um, and oftentimes yeah. those partings are not going to go as well as anyone would want, but it's just such an important thing to, to, to build your staff and in the cheer industry, especially Man, I mean, he the guy who commented that coaches are somewhat underpaid, he wasn't completely wrong because the the model of cheerleading is so lopsided. Like what it costs to run a cheer gym is stupid and buildings are way too expensive and all those other costs are just they're way too high for the model that that cheer is in a lot of ways and oftentimes it gym owners and the coaches don't make quite as much because because of that. I mean, most owners I know go years without paying themselves sometimes. Um, now it's horrible and they shouldn't do that. And that's what we exist to help people learn not to do and learn how to do better. But I've, I've talked to so many owners that are like, Oh, I haven't taken a paycheck in, in three months. And then my last one was 200 bucks. You know, it's not, that's not a paycheck. That's (laughs) it's crumbs. Um, but it's such a, it, it, you need to also factor in that like, there's not many people who are going to retire as their lifetime career as a cheerleading coach. Like you don't meet many people who are like, Oh, I spent my entire life coaching cheerleading 25 years. And now I have a retirement and I'm yeah. going off into the sunset. We don't, we don't do yeah, well, the that same's in true this industry. Music. I mean, music's not all that different. You know, a lot of people you need do music as a second job, a hobby, an after-work activity, uh, a socialization um, excuse, if you will. It's a passion. But a lot of people don't. Yeah, it's a passion project. And a lot of gyms are passion projects. I worked in one of them in 2007, 2008, uh, Coach Senior 3. And my coaching wasn't really my... At the time, I actually, I did really enjoy it. But that whole place was a passion project. It always blew my mind that the owner, like, she worked her day job and then she showed up to do this as a passion project. So many kids there never paid. It was like, um, you know, there was a lot of uh, incomplete households there. Mm -hmm. That senior three team, I think 17 out of 22 kids had an incomplete house. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that these days anymore, but, you know, that's that's what it was. And... um, so you'd get a lot of, we don't have the money to be here. And it's like, okay, well, 
if you vacuum the carpet, then then I'll wave your your feet. Right, because vacuuming is totally worth four thousand dollars a year. Yeah, I'm like, no. How could you run your business like that? But she'd say, look, for me, this isn't my source of income. Like, this is something I do because I like doing. I'm like, all right, well, you know, more power to you. But something just with me always sounds like it can't sustain itself. No way. You can't no, pass no. it on. You can't sell it if it operates like that either. Yeah, it doesn't sustain. And that's unfortunately where you see the people burn out, right? You can only be compassionate for so long. Not everyone's Mother Teresa. So at some point in time when you're not feeling rewarded and you're like, man, I'm killing myself. I'm, you know, you're a parent. I'm neglecting my own kids. I'm not spending time. I'm missing their baseball games and their plays and these things that they're doing to go raise someone else's kids and not even getting paid for it. It's, um... That's where you see people get out of the industry. But at the end of the day, I I think it is so important to hire good people, have good processes, and know your numbers so and diversify so you can be a profitable, solvent business that can promote employees and, and provide more opportunities. I think that's the biggest thing we always look at is I can help more kids. If I am more profitable, I can provide more opportunities if I'm bringing in good revenue. So. It, it, it is true. I mean, I know it sounds cliche, but we do a lot of work with the USASF. So that's a very love hate relationship. And I'll be open. But I like some of their programs very much. And every year we participate in the Exceptional Athlete Sponsorship. We do the college scholarship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Impact and Bolt and March training programs for the athletes and the coaches. And we sponsor this stuff every year and every year. There were others that were even better, but they canceled them for idiot. Uh, like the Young Athlete Scholarship was yep. a great program. Mentoring Leaders was a spectacular program where it was like the best program ever, maybe. So I come up with a business idea that would apply in this industry. And they pitch it like a Shark Tank thing. I'm like, this is great. We should be executing half of these ideas. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh, no, no, it's just for fun. You know, throw it in the garbage. Actually, let's throw the whole program in the garbage. I just said, I was so angry. <laughs> but either way, we do, we do, um, there's surplus money to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, college scholarship and try to say, it's a, it's unfortunate that you have to pay for your spot to simply say, hey, kids, don't forget about your academics. I'll give you money for college. I guess I have to pay for that. It should be common sense. But the extra money does allow you to do it. And, you know, if you want to reach more people with something beneficial, you do need the money to do it. If you want to be philanthropic, that's great, but the money has to come from somewhere, and it can't always come from volunteers and charities yep you should make a product that provides some value to earn it absolutely uh, I, I like seeing business models i like seeing businesses that, that believe in that and then they can sustain their philanthropy by providing value elsewhere yep absolutely and i mean even hey, if you're not going philanthropic like if you can't pay the bills you can't stay open so you, you gotta yes. you gotta pay the bills if you want to keep impacting kids like that simple 
anyways, you were going to ask something or. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't have an eye on the time to be honest. Um, we're, we're about at a time to wrap up. It's, it's uh 15 after, um, well, 12 o'clock here at Pacific yeah. time. So, um, I know my wife's well, look, I'm going to throw in one more thing, which is a business to business. Yeah. Oh. Go ahead. So we, we ended up, um, around year nine, Ten, we ended up sort of identifying, um, embarrassingly, that we hit the point where you've got enough market share that it becomes really hard to get in, which is somewhere around like a twenty-two percent for us. And it's like now, I, in order to gain a new employee, oh, I'm sorry, a new client, I have to try to get someone to break away from somebody that they like. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't want to engage in that because that's like a bloodbath. And now you're going to have a lot of your competitors start to really not like you because you have to be aggressive in trying to win over new clients. um, I didn't want to do that. And I share this because this is a business podcast. What we ended up doing, interesting, was taking our library of original music and covers, but the originals were where the focus was, which we coveted for years and didn't let anybody else have. It was part of why you went to Cheer Sounds because there was all these great songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we opened it up to let other producers use them hmm. for like dumb low prices, like $8 a song, if you bought a bundle. Hmm. Um, real cheap numbers. This was done for two reasons. Um, one reason was there was there was companies outside of the cheer industry that were starting to push their library into the cheer industry, and I did view that as a threatening move. Mm-hmm. So I already had this library of music; it didn't cost me to then open it up to other people in terms of expense. Mm-hmm. Uh, providing this as a business-to-business third-party library was. I didn't have to sustain a business on it. I could afford to not take a loss on it, but it's it's extra money. The whole library would be a byproduct of cheer mixes to begin with. So we opened up this business-to-business avenue. One, to keep out or to discourage other cheer music producers from giving their money to these outside music companies who wanted a piece of the cheer music industry. And two... I'd rather hear our songs be used than somebody else's. Sounds, you know, good for business being a publisher. Mm-hmm. There was a tertiary result, which was really interesting. We became more liked as a brand by our competitors because now we provided a value to our competitors rather than only being perceived as a threat to our competitors. Mm-hmm. And in hindsight, that makes sense. But at the time, I didn't expect it. And when people that I had never spoken to, only, you know, they were only sort of viewed as a brand. And you can remember back five years ago when they dogged your company for a reason, A, B, or C. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, it was a friendly, open conversation. And our, and our customer service team is now servicing our competitors to say, I can help you find that someone. 
I can build a theme for you about ice. You know, here's a whole song list. They're available mm. right here. Here's an app. You can drop a song right into your project and the billing is all taken care of, like a credit system. So you don't have to do boring online checkouts and unzipping zip files and stuff like that. It just streamlines it like you were dragging files from your own computer into your um, DAW, which is a workspace. Uh, it, it opened up an avenue that was different. You said diversify, diversify your income stream, or your revenue stream. And that's what it did. But it, it's like the goal wasn't to make a ton of money for it. It was kind of to protect the cheer industry from outside vendors selling music and starting to dominate in unfortunate ways. Um, and it ended up in, in creating good relationships. I won't, I won't, um, I don't mean to imply partnerships in any way, but, no. you know, you quietly provided music for a competitor to make their product more of what they wanted to be faster or more cost effectively. The moral of this story is your competitors aren't always competitors. If you can service them, they can become great clients. Yep. And, Interestingly enough, they're very easy clients because they know exactly what they need to do to make their clients happy. And it's exactly what you do to make your own clients happy. You speak in the same language and you have the same expectations. It's very easy to service your own competitors. And then in that context, they're not competitors. They're just clients. And your focus is, let me make new songs that my clients want. Mm -hmm. And suddenly this whole other avenue of the business is growing as a white labeled B2B. Um, I don't know. It was a good experience. I'm sharing it because don't always look at your competitors as threatening and don't always look at them as not clients. You can be valuable to them too. Yep. It just feels weird to me. No, I, I 100% agree. And I, uh, obviously, I mean, that's kind of, in some ways, that's what next gen is, right? We're cheer gym owners and we're out there consulting and trying to help other gym owners. Um, and they are our clients, but we also like, yeah, we, we technically like I've competed against clients at summit and at NCA, but they're my clients. So I, I want them to be successful too. Yeah. It's, it's not that it's like now it's friendly competition. And I do the same thing with my camp company where we work with, local gyms, local all-star gyms. We provide them cheer camps with great instructors and give them a product. And now I'm, I'm going and supporting them at competitions and at the front of the stage for their teams, yeah. cheering for kids that I coached at camp. And it's no longer that negative thing. And, and actually it's, there's been additional growth where now when someone says, Hey, I'm moving to this area, they go, go to Dan's gym, you know? And I imagine yeah. You may have even seen if a music producer is just swamped and they're like, I can't fit you in, but cheer sounds is really good. Contact them because you yep. have that friendly yep. relationship. That's happened. So yep. yeah, the, That's the, fine. the benefit of goodwill in the business world is, is huge. Well, my friend, I appreciate your time. I know you've, you've probably got to get back to your kids and your family. And we've been talking for almost an hour and a half. We're going to have to split this into two episodes, um, which is great. Um, oh, yeah. But 
I, I really, really appreciate your time and your knowledge, and we'd love to have you back on sometime to, to continue this conversation. I was very intrigued by your, we can discuss survival or weapons. I, I thought that was uh, a unique suggestion in your email. And uh, I am a, a little bit of a survival guy and a military guy, and I, I actually teach firearms professionally. So uh, I think that would be an interesting conversation. I didn't know that. I'll have to do that. I'll have to do that. Yes, yes. Uh, well, I appreciate your time. I hope you have an awesome day and thank you for, for joining us and sharing all your knowledge. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Next Generation Gym Owners People and Profits Podcast. If you would like to be featured on our podcast, click the link in our description to apply. If you're interested in joining NextGen, visit our website at www.nextgenowners.com. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening.